You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From April the 25th, 2021 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will assure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. I've got a first grader at my house, and he's in school. That's a good thing, right? And he's learning about verbs. And so he comes home and he says, Mommy, do you know what a verb is? I love how excited about a verb, right? You know what a verb is, Mommy? I was like, yes, I know what a verb is, but let me test you and see if you know what a verb is. And so I said, all right, tell me what the verb is in this sentence. Reese hit the baseball. And he said with excitement, hit. And I said, yes, that's the verb. Let me give you another one. Reese ran to home plate. And he said, ran. I said, yes. Then I said another one. I said, try this one. I love you. And he gave me that confused dog look, you know, the tilted head, blank stare. And he said, love? I said, yes, love is a verb. Love is a verb. And thus ended the lesson on verbs and love. (laughs) Well, apparently my first grader isn't the only one who needed a lesson on verbs and love. Apparently the recipients of the book of 1 John needed that same lesson. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of 1 John. There is speculation that it was John the Apostle, but the scholars are divided on that. So we don't really know who wrote the book of 1 John, but we do know that it was written about 100 AD, about, you know, 70 some odd years after Jesus walked and talked and lived on planet Earth with us. 70 years. And within those 70 years, a lot had happened among those first believers and those early Christians. And the writer of 1 John is trying to help the recipients understand the difference between a true and a false teacher and the writer tells us that you will know a true teacher by their love and then the writer of first john gives the listeners 
two things about love. The first is how to know love, and the second is how to do love. So let's talk about the, the know love part of that first. The writer of 1 John says, We know love by this that he laid down, Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to love one another. And it's the same kind of language that we heard Jesus using of himself in that gospel text from the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, The writer tells us that we ought to do the same for one another. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. And sometimes I think when we think about this, that we think of it in grandiose terms like, yeah, I would would take a bullet for Fred. Sure. I I would push Tom out of an incoming traffic and take the car for him. Sure, I would do that. But would I inconvenience myself for Fred? Would I, would I, let go of some of my comforts for Tom? Would I be able to let go of my preferences or my opinions for Andy? I don't know. We, we want to lay down our lives and think of it in kind of heroic terms, but maybe what it means to lay down our lives for others is to live for others. Maybe. Well, the second thing that the writer of 1 John wanted his readers to know was how to, how to do love. So to know love and then to do love. And this is what he writes. He says, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in what? Truth and, you remember from the text? Truth and action. Love's a verb. We do love. Now, today, we're not going to do the talk is cheap stuff. I'm going to teach you something very practical. It's a different kind of sermon, so just here's the warning, here's the caveat. It's a different kind of sermon. I'm going to give you a practical tool to put in your faith tool belt to help you be able to do love, to grow in the way of compassion. If it's as important as the gospel writers and of the writer of 1 John and other New Testament books say that it is, then shouldn't we as disciples want to grow in our capacity, to grow in our ability to love? There is an evidence-based spiritual practice. It's called the prayer of loving kindness. You might have heard it called the loving kindness meditation. And here's what the evidence, the science from social scientists who have done these studies. Here are the benefits. Now, get this. If you do this practice regularly, you will increase your positive emotions and decrease your negative emotions. That would be enough in and of itself, but there's more. You can possibly decrease migraine and chronic pain. Hello. It can decrease symptoms from PTSD and schizophrenia spectrum disorders. It can, here's an interesting one, it can increase the gray matter. It wouldn't take much for me. (laughs) It can increase the gray matter in our brains. It can slow biological aging. This is the fountain of youth. It can increase social connection. It can curb self-criticism. You know that negative self-talk that most of us are guilty of? 
and perhaps most importantly in light of today's scripture reading, it can increase empathy and compassion and make you more helpful. That's the science. I've got it. If you want to go back and check it out, you, you can open up my sermon every, every week. You can read it and follow the links and the, uh, my sources. Evidence-based practice that happens to also be Christian. Cool. And so I'm going to teach you how to do this practice. We can do love. We can practice our uh, growing in compassion, in neighbor love and in love. When I was in college, there, the big thing was the WWJD bracelets. You remember those? WWJD, you remember what that stands for? What would Jesus do? And I, all the cool Christian kids would wear these bracelets, but apparently I wasn't cool. Because I never did, because I think I'm a literal thinker, and I was just always thinking, well, what would Jesus do if we transplanted him as a first century Jewish man into contemporary American society? What would he do? I think he would freak out. That's what I think he would do. <laughs> so it was never a very helpful thing for me. If we, you know, television and airplanes and drones and the Kardashians, what would Jesus do? Well, he would freak out. That's why Jesus. So that was never very helpful for me. I always wanted to kind of have a counterpunch to that. What WWLD? What would love do? That I can kind of wrap my head around. If I have a choice between one thing or another, what would be the loving thing? That's, I would say, 99.99% of the time going to be the direction that we take in faith. But before we go much further, I want to teach you this evidence-based approach. And so it's a, it's a prayer, and it's going to take us a, a few minutes as we walk through this prayer together. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And so as we get settled, as I get settled, I want you to find a very comfortable spot on your sitting bones. And if you feel comfortable, you might even want to close your eyes. You don't have to, but you're invited to. I want you to take a couple of very deep breaths. Release the tension one more time. And as you begin this prayer, you begin this prayer by praying for yourself because it's hard for us to extend loving kindness to others if we can't extend it to ourselves. And so I invite you to repeat after me out loud if you're comfortable or silently if you're not. Repeat after me these phrases. May I be happy. May I. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. We're going to pray that for ourselves one more time. As you're finding yourself hopefully getting a little more comfortable. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. And now I want you to think of somebody that you love deeply. Someone that it's just easy to love. Someone that warms your heart when you think about them. And imagine if maybe if your eyes closed or if they're not, imagine them sitting near you, in front of you, around you. Imagine looking into their eyes and saying this same prayer for them. Repeat after me if you're comfortable. May you be happy. 
May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. The third phase of the prayer is to think of somebody neutral. You don't have strong feelings one way or the other. It could be a neighbor, a coworker, somebody that you see at the store. You're neutral. Imagine that person sitting there near you, looking into their eyes and repeating the same prayer. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Now the final movement in the prayer is perhaps the most difficult. The invitation is to think of somebody that you find it difficult to love. Maybe a toxic friend or somebody that's hurt you. Somebody somebody you find difficult to love. And if you're ready, and you may not be, the invitation is to imagine that person sitting there in front of you. And, and if you can, look into their eyes. And if you can, and you may not be able to, but there is power in praying the same prayer. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. And then it's important, this part, is to notice the feelings, the emotions that rise up in you, especially with that last phase of the prayer. You may find yourself being angry or sad or neutral. You may find yourself experiencing no emotion. The important thing is to notice it without judging yourself for whatever emotion arises. So just notice and let it be. And we close our prayer with the same word that we often use to close our prayers. It means let it be. And all of God's people said, Amen. So that's the loving kindness prayer or the prayer of loving kindness. They say that the research says that if you do this regularly, there will be those benefits, both on the short-term and the long-term level. Now, you may need some tips because not everybody's ready to enter that kind of prayer and be an expert at it as you go home today. And so the encouragement would be like any sort of prayer practice to set a time, to carve out a time every day uh, and to make that kind of sacred. And I would suggest maybe for a week if you really want to try it, to carve out a day every week to give this prayer practice a try maybe in the morning is your time or maybe before bed, but carve out the same time every day. Have a routine. The other part is to make sure you're comfortable, that you're sitting comfortably so you're not distracted by discomfort or tension, to make sure you're in a place where there are as few distractions as possible. And then you always begin the prayer with praying that for yourself. Like I said, it's hard to extend loving kindness out to the world if you cannot feel it for yourself. And finally, if you are like me, it's helpful to find a guided meditation. You can find them on YouTube or podcasts. I'll have that in the sermon, the printed version, if you want to click on a link. 
If you can't find a guided meditation, you may want to set a timer so that you're not distracted by how long or short that you've been praying about. Now, I'm aware that this sermon was more of a how-to than a why-to, like a lot of sermons are. But I hope that you will take this sermon and, and try it. It's an invitation to try a new sort of spiritual practice. And the science proves that if you do this, you will grow in the way of compassion. And isn't that what we're supposed to do as disciples of Jesus? To grow in the way of compassion and have, uh, if, if there's a better tool for growing in compassion, I don't know it. I would love to know it if you know of a better one. So uh, be adventurous. Try a new faith practice this week. And as you do, may you be happy. And may you be healthy. May you be at peace. May you live with ease. Let it be. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.